off top. We're recording this on Martin Luther King Day. So on this holiday, I normally try to like do some reading or something related to Dr. King. And every year it always kind of uncovers something new. And the general like, I guess, popular culture version of Martin Luther King is is far off from the reality. A friend of mine that I grew up with, probably my longest friend, we became friends in sixth grade. His name is Brandon M. Terry. He's like the foremost or one of the foremost Dr. King scholars. He's a professor at Harvard now. And I listened to him on Ezra Klein show podcast uh, this morning. It's like an hour and a half. Uh, I would highly recommend you check it out. But the thing that stood out to me, the one thing that I think I'm going to try to take from it is he talked a bunch about how uh, we spend a lot of time in logic when we're talking about arguments. We think that logic is the most important thing. And he pointed out some passages from Dr. King's writings that point out that um, Dr. King was well aware of how much emotion plays into uh, the way that we make our arguments and how often we try to like humiliate the op opposition because that signifies that we went, we've won our argument, but actually providing some room and understanding, uh, room for like graceful uh, defeat and dignity and appreciation for that person is always important if your actual goal is to affect change and not to just win the argument. So me, as a very emotional and boisterous type of person who thoroughly enjoys dunking on people and winning. I'm going to try to do a little better with that. When I have disagreements with people, I'm going to try to not try to win the argument and try to actually impact their opinion in some way. That's not going to work, is it? Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Okay, so I guess I will have to put my humility into practice right away because my guy Dak was cooking all night long. <laughs> it was pretty impressive. So, like, they tried a bunch of different stuff against them. That first series was ugly, but, I mean, it tends to happen sometimes. You're trying to feel out what the defense is going to do. And then, like, he picked apart the zones. Then they started blitzing him, and he seemed ahead of the blitz. Like, he knew the blitz was coming. He got the ball out. They stopped with the blitzes. They uh, started with some man coverage, and Dak hit CD on that deep over. And what it boiled down to, to me, was they started to use him to run the ball, which I think helped uh, mentally for him, and it helped. It gave the uh, the Bucks defense something else to worry about. They also did a no huddle, which wore the Bucks defense out uh, throughout the course of the game, particularly in the first half. It seemed like they were exhausted by the end of the first half, and they started to run the ball pretty well. Seemed like they could do no wrong, but the the no huddle, I think, led in part to the better protection. And Dak's one of those quarterbacks that if you don't pressure him, he's not going to make a bad decision. It got ugly fast. And I think we all learned a very valuable lesson tonight. And that is when a team is really mediocre to bad all season like the Bucks are, Sometimes we should believe that even if they have Tom Brady on the team. <laughs> I think we didn't learn that lesson. I think we, or did you learn that lesson? I think we, I learned, I learned that lesson. I, I mean, I, I gotta be honest. It's, it's easy for me to be cocky now, but I did pick the Cowboys and I said that yeah, I knew that did. the Cowboys would win. I believe the Cowboys would win this handedly, but they do have a history of choking and Tom Brady does have a history of being amazing. Uh, but uh, the first half also, it seemed like Tom Brady was bad all night 
Uh, and I know he threw a touchdown pass. We're, we're recording this before the game is over. So maybe uh, Tom Brady will lead some miraculous comeback and then we'll feel silly. But I know he threw a touchdown pass to Julio. But it seemed like what happened was early in this game, the uh, Cowboys defensive line was just dominant. And mm-hmm. Tom Brady, as we know, the one major criticism that we kind of have of him at this point is he doesn't want to get hit. And it seemed like that D line was in his face and he never really got taken to the ground uh, that often or that aggressively, but he made his mind up uh, or actually the Cowboys made th- his mind up for him. And he was skittish all night, just getting rid of the ball, uh, missing people. It just uh, didn't seem comfortable. And the one time he led that long drive that it felt like he was comfortable. He threw one of the worst <laughs> red zone interceptions you could see. Like, it, it, it was an a inbounds throwaway because the pressure was coming. Like, there was no one even close to it. It just was inexplicable. If anybody deserves a pass, obviously, this is not going to impact Tom Brady's legacy. But he's in no position. Not that he would do this, but I know a lot of people are going to try to excuse Tom Brady from this game and point to how everyone else was the problem. Tom, ba- Tom Brady was not the solution. No, he, I mean, what you said was to me, the thing that jumped out, he doesn't want to get hit anymore. He does not look like he wants to, he used to stand, stand in there and get wrecked when he was a young quarterback. He was so brave and not, not the case anymore. Maybe he would feel like he would do it if, if this was a game or this was the team that he thought had a chance, but he hit him with the classic Ricky orders for who, for what, (laughs) not for this group of guys. It's not going to work. Right. I will say we're we're set up now with a pretty dynamic NFC playoffs. The four best teams are there. All the matchups are pretty juicy. I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott cook up for the next game because it seemed like they pulled out all the stops. Like we saw yeah. a, a Dak Prescott naked bootleg. We saw the motion down to the quarterback sneak scrum position. It was actually a fake scrum toss. We saw the Dak Prescott speed option. They brought out everything. They did the deep over. They had all the tricks out of the back. CeeDee Lamb made an incredible catch. I, I mean, I'm sure they'll come up with some more stuff, but Dak, I, I would run all the same. <laughs> like, he hasn't yeah. looked as good in a while, man. Like, that was good. Even that touchdown, the one that they reviewed in the back of the end zone where it looked like uh, was that Gallup might have almost yeah, stepped Gallup out. Yeah, might have stepped out, yeah. It's one of those things where it felt like for a lot of the season, Dak was really good. And then towards the end of the season, it seemed like he was kind of unlucky. And obviously he was mm-hmm. bad in the last game and a couple of last games, but he was unlucky. But that one when Carlton Davis had his hands on it and uh, Gallup was very close to out of bounds and maybe out of bounds. That's a play that just felt like that was the luck starting to spin back in the other direction because Davis could have intercepted that or broken it up. Uh, Gallup could have stepped out. Um, which I guess he did step out, but uh, Davis touching it made it so it didn't yeah. matter. But I just felt like a, a a little luck back in the other direction. That's something the Cowboys haven't been used to in the postseason in quite some time. Yeah, I mean, this is hands down the best playoff game of Dak Prescott's career. And it's going to be really interesting to see him play against the 49ers next week. That's That's got to be the best matchup in the postseason. Yeah, he's not he's not gonna be as comfortable in the pocket next week, that's for sure. I yeah. noticed that the that the um the Bucks just short passes all day uh yeah. because they were scared of pressure. Maybe the Cowboys will mix some of that in. 
some some misdirection. And I mean, the one thing about the 49ers that I know we saw last week is they you can't attack them deep and on go routes. And I think people don't think of go route or think of go routes as longer developing plays. They actually are quicker than yeah. like an intermediate route. So maybe that's something that they'll, but they don't really have that guy. Like I feel like CD's not that guy. I guess TY no, is, yeah. is at his best is that guy that's just going to run straight past somebody. DK made a play last week like that. Yeah. And I guess depending on how healthy Michael Gallup becomes, he can be a go ball receiver too. And at his best pre ACL. All right, well, this game didn't give us much to talk about. I'm glad we touched on it. I'm glad they gave us a chance to get to bed early. The only other thing that I had on my mind that I wanted to uh, bring up to you is, did you see during the game, Adam Schefter tweeted out that Sean Payton was interviewing with the Houston Texans? I did not. He must really like Bryce Young if he's interviewing (laughs) with the Houston Texans. It just hit me in that moment when I saw that. It's like, no, Sean Payton is... He's not interviewing any of these teams. Or, I mean, these teams aren't interviewing him. He's interviewing yeah. teams. And he's going around to see who's going to pay him the most and give him the most power. I mean, that's the only reason to go to Houston is right. because you can get a ton of money and the entire organization will work for you, which, I mean, I think that other places might be a little harder to get that. But And, and I guess Houston – it's a blank slate and you get a long yeah. runway, but it's so hard to get a quarterback. Why would you not go somewhere that has a quarterback? Yeah. I mean, I, it feels like that's gotta be a smoke screen. I'm calling it now. He's not, he's not coaching yeah. the Houston Texans next season. Yeah. I, I doubt it. And and they don't even have the number one overall pick. Cause yeah, Lovey did. So like he may not even get Bryce young. Yeah. He was, I will say he must be devastated by the result tonight. He thought he was going to have options of Dallas and, and Los Angeles. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I, he was rooting hard against uh, or for Tom Brady. You're right. Now right. his options are limited. McCarthy will be back for sure. I thought he'd be back either way, but he'll be back for sure. And now the best location is waiting on the Brandon Staley decision. Right. All right, we're good. Anything else you want to talk about or let's move on to the rest of the games? Let's hop on to the rest of the slate. What's up, Charlie? So I presume that we've already, like we inserted something from the Monday night game ahead of this. So this is not actually the top of the show. We're in the meat of the show. So we can get to the most interesting story in football right now that we won't be talking about next week. Mm-hmm. It's Lamar Jackson, right? Yes. Yes. Definitely. So did you read anything into the idea that he didn't play in the game? He sent out the tweet. And I guess the big uh, news peg right now is that he decided not to go to the game. Yeah. So I didn't read anything into him not playing in the game. Like I learned that the hard way from Kevin Durant's calf strain when I was amongst the people online who were like, Oh, he's probably fine. He's got, he's not a fan of the Warriors organization anymore. He's milking it. Now I just think these professional athletes are way more banged up than I give them credit for. And I'm sure he's actually hurt. I did read into him not showing up to the game. And I would love to know your opinion on that because it kind of just seemed like a petulant. I'm mad at you guys move. 
because it's not that hard for him to go on the team plane and stand on the sideline like he had for the regular season games? It's not uncommon for a player who's injured to not go to a game. So I played for the Ravens, tore my ACL, did not travel to um, away playoff games. I'm not the starting quarterback in a contract situation. So it certainly seems like there is something more to that. And he's smart enough to know that something will be made of it if he doesn't show up. So I guess there's two ways to look at it is what is he trying to accomplish? And I'm going to assume, not assume, like I think he's smart enough to know that if he wanted it to be a non-story, he would have gone on the flight. I don't think it matters that much, but I do think that, it matters because he knows that it matters, if that makes sense. Yes. Him choosing not to come to a meeting or him choosing not to go to the game doesn't really matter to me. The fact that we know it and he knew we were going to know it and he likely doesn't have anything better to do. I guess you could argue that um, flying could impact the inflammation and the healing on his knee if you wanted to make some argument in his defense. But I do think this was a choice. And I'm unsurprisingly, I think, on Lamar's side, is even if this was a choice that he was making, it's a choice that he has the right to make. And if he knows that it's going to have an impact on his long-term financial security, then it's a risk worth taking. I don't think that his presence would have impacted the game. So uh, it's just like, I don't know, it's, it's for show him going is for show. And I guess you could argue maybe it's because he, he should go because he really cares about the team and show commitment. That's a fair argument to make, I guess, but I don't think anybody, I think he's shown enough commitment that he has enough goodwill that nobody on the team, none of the coaches, none of the players are like, man, Lamar doesn't care about us. So like, I actually kind of feel like it was, he's playing this fairly well. It's like a low risk way to like, publicly display your displeasure while also sending out a tweet that is like, no, I'm actually hurt, which I sincerely believe that. He is. Yeah. Well, I guess I wonder if you think he's playing it that well, if it makes fans and the organization and the, and some of his teammates less of a fan of him. Um, and there is not like he was offered $133 million guaranteed before the season, which would put him between Patrick Mahomes and Matthew Stafford on the guaranteed money scale. Granted that's below guys. He's way better than in Russell Wilson and Kyla Murray and Deshaun Watson, who are at 165, 190 and $230 million. But it wasn't like a slap in the face offer at the time. Yeah. Okay. But I can't. So I get the argument. I get it. Like from a business standpoint, a team standpoint, team building standpoint, I get the arguments for why, um, he should have signed these deals and they weren't low balling him or being a jerk. But well, that's, that's to... the thing is like, I get it if he doesn't want to sign it, but like, it's not like they didn't basically say like, go test the market. We don't value yeah. you or want you. They still wanted to give him a massive guaranteed contract. Right. But the, the, the point I'm making is you want to get what you want. You have very few mm-hmm. levers to get what you want. Um, they've essentially kind of outlawed the holdout with, um, financial penalties he can potentially not sign the franchise tag until the final day uh but in order to like avoid anything like that i think he's trying potentially by not showing up is him just pressing a tiny little button to try to get the deal done that he wants and 
who am I or anyone to say that he should just take something that he doesn't believe that uh, is commiserate with his value. He's going likely, he's going to get one, maybe two shots at a big deal his whole life. And because of how dependent his play is on his athleticism, uh, unless some things change a bunch, he's not going to get a second shot. So he's probably going to get one shot. I'm not telling anybody in football, given all the things that we've seen this season, tape it up and get out there like that to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and I'm not going to argue against him, even if this is like some negotiating stunt. It's a minor negotiating stunt that doesn't hurt anybody that gets your message across. Uh, so I'm good with it. We well, got more. Oh, sorry. Last thing, then we move on because we got a lot more playoff stuff. Yeah, I just want to know, do you think when he was sending this very tepid shot um, across the bow of the organization, a part of me wondered if it's that he doesn't even want to be in the organization next year because I saw a lot of it was Photoshop season. Yeah. And there were <laughs> a lot of awesome Lamar photoshops and he looks not weird in any uniform. Dude, does any part of you think that he just wants to be on a different team? Not really. Okay. I mean, I think if he had, I, I don't think it's gotten to the point where he just wants out. I mm-hmm. think if he had, if he could write the future, I think he would uh, have a $230 million fully guaranteed contract for the Ravens. If he could okay. write whatever he wanted. I, I think if he had to choose between 130 guarantee with the Ravens and 190 elsewhere. I would not be surprised if his agent worked up a trade for him to get to that elsewhere. So I, I think that's, and this is not based on some reporting. It's just uh, uh, like pulled out of the air sense that I get from what the quotes and the way he acts. And it, and it seems like uh, the team still, I mean, J, JK Dobbins words after the game, about wanting wishing Lamar was there as a player because that would have made yeah. a difference. I think I guess the, the the bottom line to me is he's built up enough. Yeah. Enough people that these minor things, he could do major things. And I think still think that he's in the good graces of the people that matter in Baltimore, which is his teammates and the coaching staff. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot DF. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. 
every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right. What game you want to talk about next or team or player or storyline? Do we talk about how Brandon Staley is officially put himself on the hot seat despite the fact that the season wasn't a disaster? We should talk about that. We should talk about the Chargers doing Charger things. And what was it not a disaster? I mean, they made the postseason. The game. Yeah, the game was a disaster. I don't think the season was a disaster. Why? Well, I mean, I think they got uh, uh, some issues with injuries. They have uh, concerns. I think the reason why I appreciate what Brandon Staley's accomplished this year was because I thought that he got better on the defense. And I think from a week-to-week basis, him and his staff are very good defensively from a game planning standpoint to compensate for injuries and issues and keep this team competitive. The overarching concern for this team is the offensive uh personnel around Herbert and the offensive play calling around Herbert. So I I guess that's the reason why I still like hold out some hope because I think that Brandon Staley has gotten better as a coach. He was incredibly early in his career to get a head coaching job, which is sometimes the trend in certain situations and would suggest to me that he can get better. And it looks like he was getting better. He made an awful decision, which I'm assuming was his alone, maybe not, but to play his starters in the final in a meaningless game and lost Mike Williams, one of their best receivers. That was terrible. That alone should bring your your job into question. And then just the, the follies of the playoff game, I think, put it in a bad situation. But I don't think he loses his job unless unless Sean Payton wants it. That's the only yeah. because I don't know that there's a, a an obvious improvement out there. The real thing they need to do is address the offensive personnel and address the offensive uh, play call and, and game plan. So there's a lot here. First of all, trading a first round pick for Sean Payton for this Chargers team is a bargain. They should do that in a mother bleeping cocaine heartbeat because that offense. You don't know how many years you get a quarterback like Justin Herbert, who all of the football nerds have told me processes as well as Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. And is in that tier, despite the fact that we never actually see it on the field. And this dude went into that game and missed Keenan Allen on a short pass when he was wide open in the end zone that would have won the game. And the clock has to start ticking because they have the slowest receivers in the NFL. They have a team that gets injured every single year. They have a quarterback with a rocket arm that they do not use. They have an aging Khalil Mack who's, who's getting a ton of pressure. They have Joey Bosa who looks on the verge of literally self uh, self immolating at points during these yeah. games. He's so frustrating. And they lost to a Jaguars team where that lead was egregious that they blew, but also they were given a golden opportunity there because two of the interceptions that led to 14 points were clear pass interferences. I know, I know you'll disagree as defensive back that got, that should have been taken off the board. So if you blow that opportunity, I'm sort of on the other side, someone's got to lose their job. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are plenty of people that can lose their job. I'm not sure that they should be the head coach. And in that game, there was one, a big sack towards the end of that game in the fourth quarter uh, I thought you were talking about Trevor was, Lawrence's. No, not that one. It was half. when 
no, no, no. When when Herbert got sacked in uh, the fourth quarter by I think it was Roberts who got the sack. But anyway, the point is that sack took place where they kept seven people in to protect and uh, the Bengals only rushed five and the middle of the line just created a big gap and blew it first down threw off that entire drive ball goes back to the bangle that stands out to me as a play the missed field goal stands out to me as another big play there were lots of people and then the the bosa helmet spike like that really caused them the the chance at overtime at least because they wouldn't have gone for two if it weren't for the fact that he spiked the helmet and then they were half the distance and uh, Peterson took advantage of that opportunity. So you can blame it all on the head coach, but I guess in my view, I think that Brandon Staley probably got the job of a head coach a couple years too soon. And now he's getting better and jumping off right now because of this bad game. When I think that there are other issues to address. I, I, I don't know. It's, Probably spent too much time on on, on the Chargers since they're You're out. Still anyway. faster than both of the Chargers wide receivers. <laughs> I guarantee it. If you line up and ran a forty now, you're dusting Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, um, I strongly doubt that, but the point is well made. He they are not fast enough to threaten defenses and for Herbert to use that arm the way that he needs to. So they can figure that out. And Sean Payton will is a good mind to do so. Maybe he'll be his offensive coordinator. What do you think? I, I, I got a question for you about that game. Cause I think a lot of people are like, everyone looks at the Chargers and goes, Oh, they're so talented. And that frames it whenever they choke. Is it actually a better situation around Herbert than it was, or, than it is around Lawrence? Like, I'm just saying like, okay. Cause they have a lot of second draft guys. Like Zay Jones is a high pick. Evan Ingram's a freak athlete. Um, Travis Etienne is a high pick. Christian Kirk has actually panned out. Doug Peterson's a better offensive mind than whatever Lombardi they have calling, you know, four yard hitches. Um, I kind of think the situation was better in Jacksonville. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you're going down the roster, I guess it depends on what you mean by situation. It does seem like the coaching and I I guess it it does seem like the coaching is better. Um, The talent yeah, I mean, I guess if you thought just to focus on the offense situation, because a lot of the big names, uh, Rashawn Slater is out, which matters a lot because he's like all pro level talent uh, offensive lineman for the Chargers who didn't play. I, I don't think the Jags have anybody that good on the roster. The receivers, you're right. I, I do think that Mike Williams and Keenan and Allen are bigger names than they are uh, difference makers at this point. But I still think I'd take both of them. It's a tough, it's a tough call. They're dinosaurs. They're things of the past. Yeah. That type of I think receiver. You're, you're, you're probably right. But overall, I like the Chargers situation because it's not just the offensive side of the ball. Like the defense has players too. Yeah. Asante Samuel Jr. is coming into his own with a bunch of big picks. Derwin James is as good as any defensive player in, yeah. in the draft. Nick Bosa. Like you got Nick Bosa is like a legitimate. Yeah, um, oh man, Nick is Nick is better. It's okay. But, <laughs> Joey is uh Joey, they're not the same. Joey's very angry. <laughs> um, he's he's a legitimate pass rush threat. Khalil Mack's not the old Khalil Mack, but he can find it in stretches. So I think that puts them over the top. I got one last one last Chargers thing before we move on. Do you find it in this and this is just a this is a larger media discussion of it? Do you find it hard to talk about Herbert sometimes? Because on one polar side, you got the Acho social media quarterback and you don't want to take that side you don't want to lot but then you've got the other side where it's like the true football nerds who are like 
you don't even understand what you're watching. This guy's pretty much Patrick Mahomes. And somewhere in between, can't we just be like, I want to see this guy play as well as Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts for an entire season before we anoint him the next great thing? It's really hard to talk about Herbert. Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably right. It's just, it's because you end up imagining both of the people on both sides and uh, you don't really want to be on the like just straight hater side. I I, I find myself... um, closer to the he's great and he just needs a, the situation to prove it than I do uh, uh the other side but uh, yeah I mean that's that's with every argument though like nobody there's no fun in, to be had in the middle that's not the point of social media uh, getting on there that that um Herbert's really good but needs to to uh take some extra leap that's a real boring tweet well everyone you call him just like a top five quarterback and people oh, clutch their tweet. pearls on both ends. That's a fun tweet. How do you not put him in the top three? <laughs> That's a fun tweet. Yep. All right. Um, I mean, the Jags aren't that interesting uh, to talk about yet. I think towards the end of the week, uh, when we start talking about their next game, that'll be more of an interesting conversation to me. Were you surprised, uh, just as we move on, that Trevor Lawrence was able to sort of shake off the first half and play well? Absolutely. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was impressive. And I said the Christian Kirk touchdown pass was and Kirk made a great catch, but it was a great throw. Like he was really, really good at times in that game and bouncing back from a really bad start. I think it probably helps to be at home in a situation like that. You don't get the whole crowd turning on you, which I think is tough emotionally to Mm -hmm. to deal with, particularly for a young quarterback, but he's someone who's been in big games before, even though he's not been in big games in NFL, he's been in big games in college, his entire college career from the time he was a freshman and, we thought he was John Elway Jr. to the time that he he left. So uh, it's still surprising to see him step up like that in a big game. The playoffs are are interesting in that way, where you get a uh, you get a, a, an extra effort, I think, from the coaches mm-hmm. <laughs> and the game planning. I think takes a step up a bit, and also some players uh, kind of play a little above and a little below, depending on the player. Their their normal mean performance it, it just nothing ever seems like exactly what how you would expect it everything's just a, a little bit off and it's hard to predict which way it's going to be right 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 this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest detroit style pizza in the country there's no competition Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You want to talk about Brock? I mean, that's all That's all you want to talk about. Is... I want to talk about that 49ers team. Yeah. Um, the 49ers defense, yeah, that's where we're starting. 
starting with the defense. They gave up some plays. All of it. Yeah, but they were incredible and important moments. I was surprised the amount of points that they gave up, but they made the plays when you needed it. I, I think back to uh, the third quarter, I think it was, when Gino had them in the red zone, and it was 17-23, to 23, and uh, the Seahawks were trailing. Touchdown would have given them the league. Touchdown extra point would get them in the league. Uh, I think uh, Traverius Ward played really good D on DK Metcalf. Then there was a legal man downfield, pushed him back five yards. And then there was a big sack that Nick Bosa recovered. Who was the one who uh, I need to give the right player credit? It was Amenahue who had the the big sack. Well, I guess it was a cause fumble. He slapped the ball loose, didn't really take him down. Um, and Bosa hopped on it. And that to me was like the most pivotal play in that game. And that, turn the tides uh the tough thing about this talking about this offense is how dependent they are on scheme and defensive predictability is that's the question i have for them is at some point and that's this is frankly the reason why um shanahan and lynch traded everything to get lance is because they recognize that you can't out scheme everybody and eventually someone's going to do something that you have not prepared for and can your quarterback overcome it purdy hasn't yet and he hasn't had to yet but he showed um if you remember the drop touchdown pass from Ayuk, mm-hmm. he gave us a little glimpse of like he can make it happen so i'm i'm like fascinated by this story because like I think if we said going into the postseason, seventh round pick, Mr. Relevant, Brock Purdy, the wheels are going to fall off at some point. If he wins two playoff games, it's a miracle. If he wins three, holy shit, he's the quarterback of the future. And if he wins four, what what the hell are we watching? Um, But when I watch this team, and this is not from the, the tape grinder perspective, but it seems like when they have 21 personnel out there, when it's... McCaffrey and Juszczyk are now these healthy McCaffrey and Mitchell, Debo and Ayuk, and George Kittle on the field. You say it could be predictable and scheme-based. That seems like the least predictable, most unstoppable offense we've seen since that first Chiefs run. They have, it seems like, five guys on the field who are complete matchup nightmares. And I don't remember watching that in a while. In the first half, Seahawks played out of their shoes and it was awesome to watch. But seeing them turn it on, and like, I think I'd forgotten how good Debo was because he's been hurt on and off this year. When him and McCaffrey were going at the same time in the second half, they seemed unstoppable. But see, that's where the Purdy question arises is what you're talking about is a level of flexibility that I think comes with experience. And having been in a bunch of moments like this with the same guys, with the same coaches allows you to have a shorthand that we see from great teams like the Golden State Warriors is a good example where they've seen all the answers that people have and they figured out the response to all of the challenges and they don't need to they don't need a game in between or a couple days to install a new answer they're like remember four years ago when team x tried this that's what they're doing again we know the answer to that let's go to it And so I 100% agree that they have the talent to answer anything and they have the coach in mind to out-scheme anyone. But the challenge is in being able to anticipate 
what the defense defensive coordinator is going to do to try to stop you because I do think that's a legitimate limitation on Purdy that you can't overcome is he's not going to be able to draw on right. some past knowledge quickly and we're going to be relying on him recognizing that this play is dead and finding some way to make some magic happen in a close game at some point and that's that to me is where a guy with and that's why you go up to get Trey Lance is because you assume that his athleticism and running ability will raise your floor and also athleticism will come when it's like, oh, they got everything cover- colored, covered, F it, I'll make something happen. Purdy showed that he could do that in that one play with Ayuk that Ayuk couldn't hold on to in the back of the end, end zone. Um, and he's done some things similar to that, but that's, I think, I don't know, that's the limitation on them is just that experience. It's the one thing you can't compensate for. I am dying to see this team play the Eagles in the NFC championship with a healthy Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Like that'll be fun. I, not just because like the defenses will be Titanic, which will be awesome, but anyone who touches the ball in that game, it's gonna look like a 90s Pro Bowl on yeah. both sides of the ball. Yeah, that is very true. You're right. That's it's going to be fun and both with great defensive lines, which is adds to the volatility of the moment. Mm-hmm. Um I think the the difference in, I mean, I guess if, if the Eagles offensive line is healthy, I feel better about the Eagles offensive line than I do the 49ers offensive line against the opposition. So, yeah, that'll be a good game. Hopefully no one ruins it for us. Uh, I would love mm-hmm. to see that one. Um, yeah, anything else on the Eagles? I mean, excuse me, anything else on the 49ers that you find interesting? Like, I, I think we landed on a really good point. That should be our clip. That's a good clip, right? The part yeah. where I seem really smart about drawing on previous knowledge and experience. Nobody's I, saying that, but me. I couldn't even, I couldn't even like hide my face on that. I was like, I haven't even thought about this. What happens when everything breaks down? Yeah. Oh yeah. That was fun. Exciting. We should end the show there. I don't know. What else you want to talk about? No, that's, that's great. Other than the fact that we're, we're really good at betting now. We have, are we? Yeah, we we went three and one over the weekend. We got Tom Brady tonight, but I think we're we're now eighteen and six over our last over our last four weeks of betting. Damn, that is good money. We uh, I'm looking forward to the. Well, I mean, you deserve most of the credit because I'm just I'm thumbs up and or thumbs down. And the real assessment on me is like did the ones that I I thumbs down fail? The ones that you thumbs down that we thought about cutting the Bills minus thirteen was our one loss. So I should we should have listened to you. Yeah, I the uh, that game was close. The um that to me came down, and I'm biased as hell, but that to me came down to a couple of defensive plays. Also, I'm gonna see if I can talk them and on a uh, get up into letting me talk about these plays because the the Bills out of halftime caused a fumble and scored a touchdown on it, took the lead, then uh got a three and out maybe or got a stop, and they punted the Bills punted the balls back to the Dolphins. We're talking third quarter. Um, around 12 minutes left and they had like whatever uh, it, it seemed like the Dolphins at that point were going for the kill and on first down they went deep to uh, Waddle and Trevon Johnson made an incredible play punching the play out I don't know if you remember this but no I do field. they 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 tried to call it another drop for Waddle and yeah. then they went to the replay and they're like, nope, not a drop at all. It was an incredible play to punch that play out. And then I think two plays later on third down, they went deep again uh, to try to hit. I think it was Gasecki on a seam route and Tremont Edmonds like barely nicks the ball. And otherwise it's a perfect 
like seam route to Gaseki. That's a laser. Yeah. yeah, and that those two plays forced the punt, and then the Bills got the ball back. And that, like, I know we're gonna look back on all the clock mismanagement and and turnovers and whatever, but those two plays. Yeah, I think I'm gonna bully Mike Greenberg and let me do on get up uh, this morning. Uh, the the plays that you're gonna forget but really change the game because those a week from now we're not gonna be talking about those plays and frankly we're not no one's talking about them today but that was when for those who believe in momentum it was it was all those plays stopped yeah. they would have hit both of those plays that were open and Waddle had it in his damn hands this game they're up four and they're immediately in field goal range it's this game goes a different route. Um, I want to shut us down because presumably we got a good Monday night game and we spent a lot of time talking about that. We didn't talk at all about the Giants and the Vikings. I mean, the simple answer for the Vikings is we're going to need a new defensive coordinator and probably some new players on defense. But Daniel Jones, man, that man made himself some money this season and in this game. He he should uh, hold out right now, today. Just start your holdout because it, it can't get any better. I don't think it gets any better depending on what happens this weekend or the, yeah, the coming weekend. I don't think that he can be any higher than he is right now. His stock is at all time high. He looked awesome. Legitimately awesome. Running best, best running quarterback in the playoffs at this point. Exactly. Still fooling people. They're still surprised every week. No spy on him. Just out there. Do your thing, Daniel. All right, Charlie. Appreciate it. Time for roses and thorns. He's so good. How is Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. All right. Time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Roses and Thorns. What's up, buddy? How are you? Hi, honey. I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. I guess I should introduce you, but I feel like people know who you are by now. It's Ashley. It's my wife. Yeah. I mean, you never know. You could be getting new listeners. That's fair. So now they know this is Roses and Thorns. We are getting lots of new new listeners, I think. We're doing good, I think. Right, Christina? Isn't that right? I don't know. It's all because of you. That's why they're here. To hear it's not. Ashley. Like, he's joking. At first, I think it was like, oh, wow, this guy is weird enough to bring his wife on a show. Um, let's see what they have to say. But now it's just like, okay, they're still here. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> We're still here. It's at the end of the episode. You know, if you don't want to listen... That's your choice. And I respect that. But you can cut it off. And he can fire me whenever he wants. In the in the spirit of uh, educating the new listeners, so Rose and Thorns is a segment where Ashley uh, gives me a rose, something that in the past week was great, and a thorn, something from the past week that I could work on and improve upon. So the floor is yours, Ashley. This is going to seem really awful, right? But like, I just kind of look at this as like a sit down chat date with my husband. And I literally, (laughs) I texted him this morning. Oh, what time are we doing Roses and Thorns today? So like, I knew it was coming. I knew it was called Roses and Thorns, but I did not pre-think of a single rose or a thorn. But here we go. Here's a rose. It's coming. You are phenomenal. (laughs) That is the rose. No, you know what? A rose is that... um, I feel like you have been trying intentionally to like spend time together. I think like a lot of times when I try to spend time together, I'm like, let's go on a date because I like to like get dressed up and go out and have like good cocktails. Um, But as I'm getting older and more tired, I am coming around to like 
the school of thought that Dominique has always <laughs> been a part of, that y'all need to go out to spend quality time together, which is so true. But you have to admit that sometimes it's good for us too, because we get to get away from our kids. No, I'm not. I'm not arguing whether it's good or bad or one way is right or wrong. I just would um, point out that uh, you aren't actually getting old in that way. You pretend that and you say things like, man, I don't want to go out. I'm tired. And then uh, it'll be the next week where you've scheduled three dates in a row. And then two <laughs> but weeks how later, many again, do we actually like, go on. How many do we go on of those three days? Well, we didn't this week, but most of the time we go on a bunch of them. And I think no, like think about the past month of me scheduling these dates. Okay, well, we might have uh, backed out of a couple, but the point I'm making is you you try to pretend like you are becoming more like me and wanting to be more of a homebody, which is not necessarily a good thing, but you aren't. You you like to get dressed up. You like to go out in the streets and you like to have uh, your idea of a good time, food and drinks and all that stuff, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I just laugh at the idea that you, you uh, pretend like you want to stay home all of a sudden just because every now and then, like once every six months, you're like, hey. Let's just stay in. It's not once every six months. Lately, I've been canceling dates every week. There's actually a restaurant in D.C. that I'm really excited to go to. A friend of ours um, opened up a restaurant called, I might be pronouncing the wrong flavorature. Um, and I've been wanting to go there. But it actually hasn't had reservations. And I haven't wanted to like reach out to be like, so, like, is it possible? Are there bar seats? I think there are. But um, but that means he's doing well, which makes me happy. But I have like intended to go there and just try to like walk in or sit at the bar now for like four consecutive weeks and have not made it. But this is my week. This week we're getting out of the house. But back to the rose part. You have been like carving out time at home for like us to whether it's like we have coffee and talk together after I get back from rocking the kids before you get really like engaged with your work. Or we yesterday, I just laid down in your man cave and watched football with you mostly all day. Um, it was wonderful. So I really appreciate that. Um, and even our kids are there often. I have my son in the background right now saying he was there. Yeah, he just he just came up from down here. He was trying to squeeze in here. And I was like, no. So he decided to come upstairs and force his way in. Remember we told you guys about Justin Jefferson. Yes. Happy Martin Luther King Day, by the way. Kids aren't in school. Happy today. Martin Luther King Day. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a day after. Um, Grateful for him and his sacrifices, you know. They let our kids stay home today. <laughs> um, amongst other much more important things. Um, uh, yes. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Declan's behind me. It's really fun. We'll edit some of this out. Yeah, hopefully all of it. Well, how about we speak about that homework? You didn't, Deck. You didn't do driving questions. You wrote, you photo, you copy this and paste it in summary that you've been copying and pasting. I copy and pasted it off of where I had already typed it. Okay. All right. Okay, that's fine, baby. Go on. I unlocked your Xbox. Go enjoy. You get some Xbox in. I unlocked daddy's too, because I don't know who's is who. So both of you get Xbox. Woohoo! Hello, we can just stop. We're back. We parented, and here we are. <laughs> so yep uh momentary hi hiatus for you to um parent thank you very thank own. you dr king for letting me parent today <laughs> so um, i really so thank you doc. you know i really want to you know i'm really festive right i really want to do this episode in front of we have um uh, well we have a lot of black history artwork and stuff but we have our artifacts excuse me but we have one cool photograph um of martin luther king um and it's like it's like a mugshot in a Warhol. Yeah, it's mugshot, like nine like, of them. Yeah. Um, and I really was like, I should take that down and hang that there. Um, because I did a Christmas episode in front of, or Christmas segment, excuse me, in front of the tree. It only felt right, but I didn't want to risk taking stuff down and not putting it back up well. You do the every episode in front of black wallpaper 
I mean, not literally black wallpaper, but wa wallpaper designed by black people in front of a depicting black painting. People. Yeah. In front of depicting black people in front of a painting by a black artist. I think uh, every episode is uh, a King Day episode based on your festive background. My whole life, that one my time life of did, freedom. <laughs> that one time you did a Christmas episode. That I have the freedom to be here and do this. The, um, I mean, I know it's always roses and thorns for me, but one of the things that I has always been a thorn for me, but has become a rose recently is we go to church, which I am not really a churchy type of dude. We also didn't go to church for like two years of the pandemic. Literally, right, but I mean, except for my son for his first communion. Prior to that, like I would go because I thought it was like something that was important to you for the kids. And I was like, well, this is a family. I'm not going to be. I don't want my kids to have memories of going to church with mom and, and dad staying at home. Uh, so I just go. And I've come post pandemic. We've gone a lot more frequently in the past, I don't know, a few months. And I find that there is like I, I I'm certainly not going to consider myself like some religious person by any stretch. As he but, once said, he's a man. What'd you say? A man of no faith, a man, not of faith, not a man of faith. I said, I don't consider myself a man of God because I think it was in response. Oh my to God, it's even, worse. Like, <laughs> it's even worse. I'm a man. I'm a man of God. So I think this and think that. And I was like, I mean, so the point I was trying to make back then was like, you can have a moral I might be looking compass. for a new husband and having guys. Be, I'm joking. Good it's luck. It'll, be a, it'll be, be a, a lot less fun, I'm sure. But, <laughs> um, the point I was making then is that you can have some moral compass and without like falling back on religion all the time. And for people who, uh, a lot of people who don't like find uh, a purpose for like organized religion in their life, I think it's it's important. And I, I guess this is the the value of organized religion to me is that yeah, I, I go to Catholic mass with you regularly and i don't like do the communion or any of the other things but we're gonna convert him guys yeah i'm good but i do find it valuable to have that time carved out and it's almost like a i don't know a a weekly roses and thorns for everybody it's like you think about your week and you think about the important uh, i guess principles many of them that are in like religious doctrine and i, I noticed that the priest this, or it wasn't a priest, it was a, a deacon, I guess, kind of said that <laughs> the church isn't always right, which like I really appreciate it because I think it's, it's valuable. And they went ahead time. and were calling Martin Luther King, St. Martin Luther King Jr. of Georgia. They were like, the Catholic Church may not have canonized him yet. He's not um, but we're going to here, and I appreciated that. But yeah, I don't know. I guess it's, it, to me, I find it valuable to like reflect on on a lot of truly like objectively noble principles and also to uh like take a time to think and and meditate on things in your life and whether you're like you sincerely believe that uh i don't know all, all the like more far-fetched things that religion pushes whether you sincerely believe in it or not i think a lot of the principles that the foundation of it are useful for all of us to think about and reflect upon and i i I don't have that time carved out for me in my life other than when we go to church, which is nice. So thank you for that. I love that um, that you come to church with us. Thank you. <laughs> this is a, a very distracted episode of Roses and Thorns. That you, you yes, I'm about to hire one more parenting. It's done now, Declan, for sure. <laughs> you don't have your usual enthusiasm and vigor. I'm so enthusiastic. No, this is fake. I said Xbox. And you keep looking off to the side. Because that's what I said, Xbox. This is fun. Because that is what I said.
Okay, you're not getting another answer. So if you want to do it, you have about an hour total that it's going to be unlocked. After that, it gets back locked. So unless you get this done properly. Did you have anything else you want to wrap it up or you want to do? Okay, no, we're back on. Okay, so I love Martin Luther King Day. I love that you went to church with us. Um, my thorn is that as much as I am a homebody and like to sit at home, my thorn is something you can't help. It's that Valentine's Day, I've realized in my mind, Valentine's Day is like tomorrow. It's coming up. Like I live between holidays, like Christmas ended. Yay, now we're at Martin or New Year's Day. Then we're at Martin Luther King Day. By the time this airs, we will have gotten past Martin Luther King Day, and we are on to Valentine's Day, is, as far as my mind is concerned. Although there is the Lunar New Year, which last year we definitely made sure to celebrate, mostly because, what was it, Year of the Tiger, and we had a Bengal cat, or we have a Bengal cat, so I felt like it was a year we really needed to. And last year especially, actually, that day was the day, the day we celebrated Lunar New Year last year, so I guess um, that was the day that we all started coming down with COVID in our house. <laughs> So we're stuck in the house anyway. We got to make everything a party, right? Um, so I'm moving on to Valentine's Day. And my thorn is that like, what romantic plans do you have for Valentine's Day? I already have them. I didn't tell you about them. He's lying, guys. No, I'm not. You said you already have them? No, I I mean, I, you asked me, you want me to ruin it? So I, I got some custom-made jewelry for you for Valentine's Day. Since oh! Are you ordering it now? No, I already ordered it. Would you like you to see the email proof? No, I don't want to see the email proof. Oh my God. Okay, well then I'll take my thorn back. I was going to say like, I feel like I do a lot of our planning of like outside the house or like romantic moments. You don't need um, to take the thorn back. You can just aim it at yourself. That's what you can do. Is I'll how aim it you, at how you tried to play me because I did. I've already ordered nice. a present for you too. Um. Well, no, but you at, know what? At the end of Christmas, I, I mentioned to you like, I maybe fall back on the shopping for a month because I got you something nice, and Aww. I'm sure that you did not. Um. Follow my uh, directive because you never do. And the point was not that you can't shop while I buy you things is that it's frustrating to like try to buy you something nice when there's nice shit showing up every three days. It's like, well, this is kind of disappointing that I thought I got something nice, but you actually bought I order like sweaters. I don't order myself jewelry, but okay, that's neither. Whatever. The point is, I, I promise if I look at the credit card, you did not take my um, directive because you never do. Mm, you know, freedom of thought, freedom of choice. So God, God preaches it at church. Oh, I'm joking. Anyway, and you ruined my Valentine's Day surprise by asking me. I can't wait to forward you that email. Uh, it says C below email. No, do not forward it to me. Well, thank you very much. So I'll Too take late. that back. This is exciting. It. Happy Year, Valentine's whatever. Day, everybody. Hopefully Happy Valentine's your Valentine's Day. Day doesn't get ruined by somebody needing to complain about you. No, somebody needed to come up with a thorn for their husband because the segment's called Roses and Thorns and I did not pre-think of a thorn. And oh, here's wow. what made me so think of that. A commitment for from you to the greatness of my uh, media career. Thank you. I was, ha ha, I was remembering um, one of our first Valentine's days that like we didn't really celebrate together because you were in Denver and I was in College Park. But um, I guess it was like 2006 um, and we weren't like officially together. So whoever might be listening, it really was his girlfriend back then. My apologies. There was only one of you. Um, but you sent me on like a really sweet scavenger hunt and like I didn't get it. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. 
It was so sweet. And you like under the guise of like, you asked me if you, I could do you a favor to like pick something up, but really was like leading me to a spa. And then from there it was something else. It was really, really sweet of you. And I was remembering that I was thinking, man, once like we were official, but there you go. You ordered me a present. And now I'm an awful person because look at you doing something for Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. It's hard out here. <laughs> <laughs> um, to in in my defense, I don't expect these grandiose displays, so it's uh, I, I try to be a decent dude on a regular basis, but I understand. I, I'm I try to come up with the grandiose um celebrations also, but can't do them all the time because then they don't get appreciated. I benefit, I'm sure, from him being one of those people who's like, oh, he doesn't actually say this, but like in his heart, he's like, well, actually, he has said it before to me just to be, I think, funny. But like Valentine's Day is every day. Like if he doesn't like doing super thoughtful things on Valentine's Day. Um, but I and I get that and I benefit from that. And I I want to be loving and create special moments with him and with our family, like all throughout the year. But I just love holidays. Like like literally people who aren't watching right now, I'm wearing a turtleneck with a heart cut out, but it's black because I felt like the black gave Martin Luther King and the heart cut out gives pre-valentine. <laughs> like, I'm a psycho. My earrings actually are black. Do you see that they have a heart on the top, Dominique? Can you tell that? Um, I'm like a crazy, like, like I should be like an 80s school librarian with all my heart sweaters and like decorating the school and the classroom doors. I'm putting up a Valentine's tree, though I'm not going to do the big Valentine's tree. I'm going to do the a tabletop one because the big one is like, too small to be big like I don't know it just feels like it's this mediocre size that like it's my height and it's like after our Christmas tree which is really big when I put this one up it just feels like I'm really doing Valentine's Day a disservice with this baby tree so um so so I like like I plan dates for us I basically wear pink the whole month because honestly I just like pink but it's like pink with hearts like I just love Valentine's Day I love I love moments to create like yeah, you, just, yeah you, you like holidays you like um celebrations you like festive things i did not i still do not but i participate in all of them you're welcome for that 20 foot tree that you now have that makes your valentine's tree seem worthless so i'm just in here hanging on everybody doing the best i can so if you are if you are if you are uh a man of god who also really likes holidays Ashley might be available soon. She, she put it out there. So if you're really in the holidays, get in our mentions. I love you. Thank you, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, and Adi Khan. Bye, everybody. Ooh, let's go find out where Declan is now. Thank you guys so much for Thank that. Thank you guys. For your patience in that Bye. matter. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.